Hey, Brian here with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana, and we worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock. If you'd like a to learn a little bit more about us, check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, and of course, online, midcityvineyard.org. We are currently in our Advent series. Uh, we are actually a week ahead of the rest of the church. Uh, due to our worship schedule and when we will be worshiping for Christmas Eve. So this is week two of Advent, our series While We Wait, and this teaching was titled Prepare the Way. Hope you enjoy. Look forward to seeing you some point in the near future. Much peace to you. So tonight, our readings from Isaiah chapter 40 and our reading from Mark chapter 1 uh, are part of the church calendar readings as we are moving through the lectionary this year for Advent. And so those are the scripture passages that millions and millions of Christians around the globe uh, are hearing this weekend. And those are the passages that are being taught on uh, in churches all around, all over the planet. Uh, as we are in our Advent series, I cannot encourage you enough to, uh, to take part in the exercises uh, that we are putting at the bottom of your outline. Uh, you know, I, I was looking through it this week and I was looking for some statistics and I, I couldn't find the exact statistics except that it's a very low number of people who actually practice and devote themselves to the discipline of silence uh, on a daily practice. Uh, now, lots of people devote themselves to the practice of staying in shape physically. Lots of people uh, devote themselves to the practice of uh, keeping their minds sharp. But very few people actually practice taking care of their souls. And uh, it's a fascinating thing because, you know, we, we think, oh, I've got to put the right food in my body to, to stay healthy. I've got to make sure I exercise to stay healthy. I need to, I need to read books and I need to think and I need to do these things to keep my mind sharp. But we, we kind of neglect our souls oftentimes, which is why I continually bring you back. I feel as, as, as your pastor that this is one of the key things that uh, I'm supposed to do, and that is to keep bringing us, myself included, back to a place of how's your soul? How is your soul? How are you, how are you doing? How are you taking care of yourself? What are you doing in your life that continues to push you and form you and shape you in ways that you can actually recognize where God is active in your life and where the spirit of the divine is moving and ebbing and flowing. As we said at the beginning, the spirit of God is always moving and ebbing and flowing in every component, in every aspect of your life at all times. The real question is, are you paying attention? And in order to pay attention, the truth of the matter is we have to practice paying attention in order to more, uh, to more frequently see and uh, pay attention without even having to think about it eventually. It's no different than working out your biceps. I mean, you can tell, obviously, that I work my biceps out often. Uh, right? No? Okay. So, but it's no different. Uh, it, it's working out your soul and taking care of yourself. And so these, these exercises were provided, are provided for you 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day. If you did it this week, if you gave yourself 10 minutes each day, then congratulations, you spent 60 minutes this week in silence and solitude, reflecting upon God in your life and you in the grand scheme of what God is doing. And if you didn't, that's okay. Start this week. 
That would be my encouragement. And all of the exercises revolve around what we're talking about. So tonight, the passage that we will be looking at as part of the ongoing lectionary is 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 15. We will also uh, look back into the passage on Mark and the one on Isaiah. In 2 Peter, the writer of 2 Peter, who more than likely was not Peter, uh, says this. Do not overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, and a thousand years as good as a day. God is not late with God's promises, as some measure lateness. Instead, God is restraining God's self on account of you, holding back the end because God doesn't want anyone to be lost. God is giving everyone space and time to change. But when the day of God's judgment does come, it will be unannounced. It'll come like a thief. The sky will collapse with a thunderous bang, everything disintegrating in a huge conflagration. Earth and all of its works exposed to the scrutiny of judgment. Since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? Daily expect the day of God, eager for its arrival. The galaxies will burn up, the elements will melt down, and they will melt away, but we'll hardly notice. We'll be looking the other way, ready for the promised new heavens and the promised new earth, all landscaped with beauty and righteousness. So, my dear friends, since this is what you have to look forward to, do your very best to be found living at your best in purity and in peace. Interpret our master's patient restraint for what it is. It is salvation. So in Advent, as we discussed last week, and if you weren't able to be here last week, check out the podcast from last week's uh, teaching. The, the series is While We Wait, and last week was Stay Awake. While we wait, may we be people who stay awake. Today, may we be people who pray, prepare the way. But Advent is a time, as we understand it, on the church calendar. It's a time of waiting with expectation. Now, the first Advent was some 2,000 years ago, uh, where people were patiently awaiting the arrival, the first coming of the Christ. And the people at the time didn't know. They, they knew, the Jewish people knew they were waiting for the Christ. They knew they were waiting for the Messiah, the Anointed One. They didn't know when it was going to happen. Now, we know it has happened. The Christ came to the planet, moved into the neighborhood, walked the earth. In the form of Jesus. We know that that happened. So our waiting, in, in, in part we look back to what their waiting was like. But for us, there is still a waiting. There is an awaiting for the return of the divine one. The cosmic Christ to return and to set the world to right. That's what we wait for in 2017. Back then, 2,000 years ago, there was a waiting for the anointed one to walk the earth, to launch God's actual rule into effect, setting up and inviting all of humanity into the ways of God. Inviting humanity into the way of what it is to live life to the fullest, a life that's filled with mercy, grace, beauty, power, a life that is filled with actual presence, the presence of God. 
And so here we are, once again, understanding that that presence has come to the earth. And that's the presence that we're invited to experience, and yet we still now wait. And when Christ returns, we desire to be found having stayed awake, as we mentioned last week. We desire to be found learning and practicing the presence of the divine in our everyday ordinary life in cooperation and always cooperating with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so in this reading, the reading from 2 Peter chapter 3, and the reading from Mark that Shay read earlier, Mark chapter 1, we are implored by John the Baptist and here in 2 Peter, there's this actual invitation by both of these men to repent. It's a fascinating thing because uh, what, how does Peter say it here? Actually, in that version, let's go into the NIV version because Eugene Peterson in the message version didn't use the actual word repent. But you recall in Mark where Shea read that John the Baptist comes preaching repentance, saying, come into a changed life, receive forgiveness for your sins, that Jesus came preaching the Holy Spirit and inviting people into a changed life. And in the second Peter passage, the Lord is not slow. God is not slow in keeping his promises. You know, you ever feel like God's really slow in keeping his promises? This is, a, this is an honest zone, Okay. Like sometimes, honestly, and, and then just side soapbox, but people say, well, you know, you don't have to worry about it because God has perfect timing. And I'm like, oh, it's such hogwash. It feels like a load of crap most of the time. God has perfect timing. Like to me, that just seems like a, a way for, for people to kind of just defend God. And I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm kind of of the opinion that if your God needs defending, then that God's not worth worshiping. So I don't think we have to defend God. I think we just call, call it what it is. And sometimes I don't think God seems to have very good timing. That's not what tonight's message is on, though. I just wanted to throw that in there. So if you feel that, you are in good company with me, the one who forgot my be a Santa to a senior gift. Now, the Lord, according to the author of 2 Peter, is not slow in keeping his promises. Oh, as some understand slowness. That's, we need to read that part. Instead, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Not wanting anyone to perish. Now, here we are in 2017. We're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we are longing to find a day in our life where the stress will be relieved, where the anxiety will be relieved, where the relational conflicts will be reconciled. We're waiting for the day where un unemployment will be a thing of the past. We're waiting for the day where fighting over uh, who, you know, who gets in and who gets out. And, you know, is this lifestyle, you know, better than this lifestyle? And do these people get ejected and these people get to stay? And are these people better than these people because they have more money? Or these, are, you know, are all this, all this stuff that just seems to rule the landscape of our world. Enemies blowing up enemies, people killing people, all these different things. 
We long for the day when this will be a thing of the past. We long for peace. We long for mercy. We long for reconciliation. We long for the day when men and women who are intent on inflicting pain on others, where there will be, they will be dealt with. We long for a day where justice will reign. We long for a day in our own lives when pride won't be such a thing for us or where greed won't be such a thing for us. We long for a day when humility will kind of be the soup of the day. Like, that's like, yes, yes, humility, but there's not enough of that. We need more of that. Would you agree? I mean, we long to see these things. And, and what happens, actually, before we even get to the Second Peter passage, uh, where it's Second um, Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 8, right before that, there's this passage that says this, and this is what the author was writing of. Uh, the author says, first off, here's the thing. You need to know that in the last couple of days, these people over here, they've been mocking you, and they're having a heyday. They reduce everything you say to their level of puny little feelings saying, so, whatever happened to that promise of Jesus and the second coming? Our ancestors are dead, they're buried, everything seems to be going on just as it always has since the first day of creation. Nothing looks like it has changed. And then the writer says, they have conveniently forgotten that long ago all of the galaxies in this planet were brought into the existence out of the watery chaos by God's word. But here's the thing. There are voices out there that are mocking. Now, I don't know about you, but here's, a, here's full self-disclosure. The mocking voices out in society don't affect me as much as the mocking voices in my own head. So if you... Think, you know, hey, look, you know, we like Mid City Vineyard Church. You can like Mid City Vineyard Church for lots of reasons, but don't like Mid City Vineyard Church because your pastor is like this super uber faith filled man. More like, I feel many days like I'm hanging on. That's why they call it faith. <laughs> because the voices in my head mock often those things. What the heck are you doing? What are you hanging on for? Look how stupid the world looks. And where is this Jesus? Where is this second coming? The world doesn't look like it's changing. Does anyone else ever experience those voices in your own head? Newman, Mary? Okay, good. Oh, you do. Okay, so there's four. Candace, five of us. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with this. Listen, this stuff just hits me left and right and left and right. And at times, it seems helpless. At times, it seems hopeless. And that's why we're doing this series even during Advent. Because last week, Jesus said, we talked about this last week. Jesus said, look, I know, I, Jesus, know that it looks like it's getting bad. But stay awake. Stay awake. Don't lose faith. Press in. Press in. Pay attention. Recognize the presence of the divine. Where do you see the spirit of the divine? Because when we have eyes to see, when we look, we will begin to see. In this week's reading, in Second Peter, we're encouraged towards three things. We're encouraged towards patience. We're encouraged 
towards repentance. And we're encouraged towards good works. And this is how we as followers of Jesus prepare the way. This is what we do in the time between Jesus when he came in the beginning 2,000 years ago and when the Christ returns. We practice patience. We practice repentance. We practice good works. First, patience. The author of 2 Peter reminds us that the Creator and the Redeemer is patient, that the Creator is slow to anger, that the Creator is rich in love. And why is God so patient? Because God is so passionate about all of creation, every single human being on the planet. Think about a human being, don't call their name out loud, who you kind of think maybe is outside of the reach of God or who you kind of hope is outside of the reach of God. That might be more in our lane. Whoever that person is, is redeemable. Whoever they are. Don't ever forget that Paul, who wrote almost the entire New Testament, who was originally Saul, was the modern-day Osama bin Laden in his time. He was a terrorist who traveled from place to place killing Christians. (laughs) So when you read your New Testament, that's what you're reading. That guy was restored and redeemed and reconciled, had his life flipped upside down, filled with the spirit of the divine, and now teaches us the ways of God. Everyone is within reach. And so the scripture says, God is patient. And so my challenge to you is where might you become more patient? With whom might you extend patience towards? I'm not going to call mine out loud. I've already disclosed enough tonight of my own dirty laundry. But I have people. Now, I knew I was teaching this tonight. So I, you know, I'm at a disadvantage. I've had to wrestle with this for six days more than you guys. So welcome to the club. Wrestle away. But what would the Spirit say to you? Who have you written off? Who are you short with? Who are you tired of? Who is no longer within God's reach for you. Oh, repentance is for everyone. Because patience is what God offers. The Lord is not slow about His promises, as some think of slowness, but is patient. Patient with you? Everyone raise their hand who's glad God was patient with them. Come on now, that's every eye. And since He decided to be patient with you, so everyone gets that beautiful grace calling everyone to repentance now repentance what is this thing of repentance repentance is the first thing that jesus came preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is here in both of today's reading the word repentance is used and i would suggest to you that this word repentance is so much bigger than maybe you have been taught in the past for repentance is all about changing your mind. Now, depending on your upbringing, 
Repentance would have been understood in other ways. So for me, I was brought up in a tradition that saw repentance as self-remorse. Woe is me, for I am a sinner and I must repent. I must confess. I must say I'm sorry. I am sorry for I have lusted. I'm sorry for I have cheated on my taxes. I'm sorry for I lied to a friend. Oh, I'm sorry because I clicked on that link on the computer. I'm sorry for you fill in the blank. And if I can make myself, if I can dig in the dirt deep enough and I can throw enough of the dirt back on my head. Oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I was taught that that is repentance. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is bigger than that and more beautiful, I believe. True repentance, the word actually used in the uh, scriptures, in the New Testament scriptures, is metanoia. Metanoia is literally changing your mind, turning around. Jesus said, repent. The kingdom is here. Jesus said, Change your mind, your understanding about who God is and what God desires of your life. Change your mind. You think God desires sacrifice. What God desires is obedience. So change your mind from this idea of sacrifice to this idea of obedience. Change your mind. Change directions. And the thing about repentance is that this is not a one and done kind of thing. Repentance is... I repent today for the things that I realize I've got wrong in my mind. And in about three months, I'm going to realize something else that I have been thinking wrongly about. And Jesus says, oh, that's cool. Repent for that too. Change your mind. Switch directions. I heard a story recently about a a man who uh, was speaking to his mentor and he was like, I, you know, I, um, if, I, if I follow this way of faith, you know, if, I'm, if I'm going to follow this, I mean, what do I have to give up? And his mentor's like, well, you don't have to give up anything. Like, yeah, but I mean, I really, uh, I mean, there's got to be something I have to give up. He says, well, his mentor says, well, do you, do you, do you uh, like alcohol? Yeah, yeah, I love alcohol. I love having a good time. He says, well, you don't have to give that up. He says, uh, how about sharing your, your bed with others. Oh, yeah, I like that. Well, you don't have to give that up. He said, well, how about this or that? He says, yeah, I love this. Oh, you don't have to give that up. I don't have to give up these things? He said, no, no, no. He says, however, you do need to realize that if you're going to go down this road of faith, if you're going to go down and press into this, you need to realize that there is going to become a change that happens from the inside out. And if you really want to pursue this, you're going to start to realize that your heart is being moved. Your soul and your spirit are being moved. And there are going to be things that are going to steal from the invitation of the deepness and the richness that you can experience in this life. You're probably going to end up wanting to give up some of those things. And I think about that. I think that that's very much in line with Jesus. Jesus invites people. He says, look, like the woman who came before Jesus, when, when the men, <laughs> when the perverts of the town dragged the prostitute before Jesus, it says they caught her in the act, which means that she was more than likely half naked. They drag her out into the streets and they throw her down before Jesus. And they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act. We know because we had peepholes. <laughs> How else would they? I don't know. 
What should we do? And Jesus says, well, let the one who has no sin in their life throw the first stone. You guys go ahead and kill her. Go ahead. If you have no sin. And it says they turned around one by one and they walked away. And Jesus looks at the woman. He says, there's no one left to accuse you. He says, I don't accuse you either. He says, repent, go and sin no more. Now the translation reads, basically, that Jesus is saying to this woman, listen, what you're doing It's not good for you. It's stealing life from you. But I don't accuse you. But I invite you, go, leave this behind. Because this is like a weight around your neck. Repentance is about changing your mind. Recognizing, where's the weight? What is it? And I I would ask you, what do you change your mind on? I could stand up here and tell you to change your mind on all kinds of things, and then I would just be preaching a new legalism. That's, that's all I'd be doing. But what I'd rather do is say to you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you about your politics, and maybe there's a change of mind that comes with your politics. Well, no, God would never tell me not to be a Republican. No, God would never tell me to change my mind about being a Democrat. Uh, Yes, he would to both. Maybe God would invite you to be neither and just figure out what the kingdom looks like. Maybe. Have you surrendered your politics to the Spirit? Have you you surrendered your sexuality to the Spirit? What does it look like to change your mind in those areas? Have you surrendered how you handle your finances to the Holy Spirit? What does it look like? To change your mind. What does it look like to change your mind and how you treat your children? Or your views, maybe even on theology. I don't know. But I don't know. I I don't need to be the one to challenge you in a particular way. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you in your life? Where are you wrestling right now? Wherever you find yourself wrestling, that's where maybe the Spirit's saying, hey, maybe I'm inviting you to repent, to change your mind. And maybe today it's something with your politics, and maybe next week it's something with your sexuality, and maybe next year it's something with your finances. What? it might be. Here's how it works in my life. I'll give you some, some, some concrete examples so you can kind of see. I was an active proponent of the death penalty for years and years and years and years and years growing up. The reason I was an active uh, proponent for the death penalty is because I grew up in a house where we were active proponents of the death penalty, capital punishment. And we used all kinds of obscure verses, in my humble opinion, to justify why capital punishment seems okay. I am... I am just, I don't know the words I'm looking for, absurdly opposed to the death penalty today. Because my understanding, and and there's been repentance, and there's been a change of mind. Because I believe that every human life is sacred. Because I believe that the Spirit has revealed to me that every person is at all times redeemable. That all of life is beautiful and sacred. So I'm, I'm... incredibly opposed to it, but it was a change of mind. And you know what? It included doctrinal understanding. It cre- included theology, the, uh, theological uh, change of heart and mind. It included uh, conversation. I mean, it was just a change of mind. The way I care for creation, huge change of mind. Because I believe wholeheartedly that we, as human beings, are to take care of creation. I believe that's a biblical mandate that the Spirit of God has given to us. It was a change of mind for me. Spanking my children, there was a change of mind. I was raised in a house where you spank your kids. I should know. 
<laughs> I mean, I got spanked by the principal when I was in second grade, and when I went home, I got spanked for getting a spanking by the principal. What's that? But you know what? I came, and I'm not, you know, you, I came to a place where I, I changed my mind. I used to be full of pride. Don't take that statement as thinking I no longer am full of pride. I used to be fuller of pride. <laughs> Until someone told me, you know, when you walk in the room, you have an air about you like you own the place. That was a painful conversation, by the way. Uh, they said much more than that. But that was the Cliff Note version. And I had to get with the Holy Spirit. And, and, hey, what are you going to do here? Repent. I didn't repent of all four things, all four of those things in one day. We're talking years here. What's God doing with you? But the repentance, it's an ongoing thing. And then finally, that leads us to good works. Second Peter. 3, 14, and 15, as we prepare the way, Peter says, or the author says, So, my dear friends, since this is what you have to look forward to, do your very best now to be found living at your best in purity and peace. Interpret the divine's patient restraint for what it is. It is salvation. Earlier, Paul says in uh, Philippians, Continue to work out your salvation. I think that God's patience with us is just this opportunity where we continually are becoming the people we are going to be. We're just continually working out our salvation. And God's being patient with us and with all of humanity. And so while we wait, while we live in this tension, may we be people who live in this unrighteous realm as citizens of those already of the new and righteous realm and kingdom of God. May we be people who now live out the reality of God's kingdom here, now, in this present realm where we are. The cosmic Christ, the anointed one, is going to return. Therefore, it's not a time for despair for us as Christians. It's a time... For waiting. It's not a time of frustration, but it is a time for patience. Because we are the ones who prepare the way. Prepare the way for the Lord. For the Christ to return. And we do that. We practice patience. Patience with others. We practice repentance and we show others the way to repentance. And we work for the good. One final word here in the passage that we read about Mark. Or that we read about Jesus from the book of Mark. Because in this this is perhaps, don't tune out, because this is perhaps the most important part. Mark chapter 1. Listen again. This was John the baptizer's message. After me comes the one more powerful than I. I am not worthy to even stoop down and untie his sandals. Now, John the baptizer says, I am here to baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Oh, why is this so important? Because it turns out that John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the Christ, prepares 
the way for the spirit of the divine. Jesus the Christ prepares the way for the Holy Spirit that we might be people who can be and will be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. How do you practice patience? Through the grace and cooperation with the Holy Spirit. How do you practice repentance? How do you practice changing your mind? You must interact and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the life of God within you. Because here's the thing, today you will change your mind and tomorrow you will notice that it flipped back. And you will have to repent again. You'll even remind yourself, wait a minute, I changed my mind about that yesterday. Yes, but the mind is a tricky kind of thing. Well, I'm still going to head in this direction with the Holy Spirit. Jesus prepares the way for the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes, fills us so that we might cooperate with the Holy Spirit and move and prepare the way for the return of the Christ, the divine, who will return and who will bring peace and mercy, justice, kindness, grace, beauty, forgiveness, and goodness. All of these things. And may we be people during Advent who reflect on, who look to, and who experience these things even now. This week, as you move about your week, I invite you to check out your outline. Don't throw it away, because it's, it's got the good stuff on it. But you'll see, Roman numeral 5, practice 10 minutes each day as we prepare the way. As we prepare the way. Tomorrow, reflect on how you have experienced God's patience with you in your life. Take 10 minutes and reflect upon that. Reflect how you've experienced that. And begin to realize how that has shaped you. And then the next day, the question is, how might you cooperate with the Spirit to practice patience with those in your life and our world for their sake, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of Christ? So these are going to build on each other. And I, I can't encourage you enough. Give it a shot. Ten minutes a day. Find that, find that place before you head to your truck and take your nap during lunch. Give it the first ten minutes. Reflect. Be quiet. Be at peace. Why don't we stand together?